0: Clap clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shure-Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Clap Your Hands Podcast, a draft preview edition. As always, brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Make sure you download that Odyssey app. You get all the episodes first. Brought to you by Sports Radio 94 WIP. And brought to you by Kyle. A draft that I have fully convinced myself, despite the lack of picks, to be excited for. I feel like there's going to be moves. There's going to be rumors. Maybe they get in the top 10. Maybe they do absolutely nothing. Either way, I love rumors. I love a trades and those things. So I'm all in for the draft. I'm ready to go for Thursday night. You uh, feeling that same level of excitement?
2: I don't think so. Because oh, as as you noted... No draft picks for the Sixers based on a series of trades that have been made uh, during Daryl Morey's tenure. So we don't know. Essentially, we're just operating in the unknown right now, which is fun to an extent. It's like, oh, you know, what could they do? Are they going to buy their way into the second round? But, like, you're not doing a podcast on buying a second round pick. Well, just watch us. Just watch us after they do it.
1: Oh, sorry. I thought you had more. Look at you. You're already getting water. Already a few uh, only minute in already need that water, but all right. So I think what there's a bunch of things I wanted to get into today. You mentioned the buying the second round pick. You've reported that they're looking to do that. It is probably something that would be smart to do if they can. I think with Nick nurse and his new roster, they're going to be looking for a different type of player. You get a low cost, low salary guy in the second round that you then have on a cost controlled deal you can do it. But as you mentioned, that is not the thing that is going to get people the most excited about Thursday night, especially waiting into that second round. I think in the first 15 picks, or at least the first round, that's where you're going to see a lot of the exciting rumors. That's where you're going to see a potential to bias trade. So outside of the second round pick thing, which maybe we can get into in a little bit, my question for you, Kyle, coming to this is, what are the chances that the Sixers make a big move on draft night? You wrote an article this week on Philly Voice kind of outlining what could happen. Daryl Morey has been active on draft night in his career. What do you think the chances are this Sixers team is going to get some type of major reshaping on draft night?
2: I wouldn't say reshaping might be strong because that makes it sound like to me, that's your moving core pieces. Mm -hmm. I guess if you consider Tobias Harris a core piece, then you know, maybe we could say that. I think the the likeliest major move they could make is trading Tobias Harris. And for anybody who didn't read the piece this week, essentially this draft is going to create a lot of motivation for teams who want to make big moves to do them now before the new league year. Because mm-hmm. the teams that are over the cap, over the even the first apron, I know we've talked about the second apron on here, teams that are over that in the luxury tax at all have much less wiggle room when it comes to putting together trades for salary matching purposes. So if you're moving a guy like Tobias Harris, who's going to make $39 million next year, and you're trying to on both ends of that deal, it's, you know, whoever sending role players back or swapping another big contract, maybe longer term contract for Tobias are going to be subjected to these new rules that make it a lot harder match up salaries and so I think there's a lot of smoke out there suggesting Tobias will be moved or at least there's an expectation around the league that he's going to get Mm -hmm. moved at some point so to me if that's the case then I would say there's a decent chance that it happens on Thursday night because if they wait until later in the offseason and James Harden is back on his deal and so on and so forth well then you have limited options in terms of what you can do, who you can trade with, what kind of players you can get back. And so there's a bit of urgency for them to to get going and get moving if that's a move they're exploring. So I've been thinking a lot about what you said last pod that
1: Tobias is probably their biggest trade piece they have left. You know, when you look at the future picks. And to that point too, if this this new CBA is going to impact their ability to move him moving at once it comes once it starts you can make an argument tobias's trade value is never going to be higher than it is on thursday night because of the the cap ramifications his contract those type of things and once you bring him in for the season i know daryl has shown a willingness to do that obviously he did that with ben but i don't think tobias is somebody they really want to bring into training camp and then make that major move with him at some point that year so to that regard like do they have to trade Tobias on Thursday night? Is this their their real big chance to do it? And if they don't, are they blowing an opportunity?
2: I don't want to say they have to, but I, I think what's interesting to me is that all the moves that they probably can make are the ones I don't think they necessarily want to make.
0: Mm-hmm. So for
2: example, we talked a lot about Bradley Beal and obviously he went to Phoenix and that was kind of a foregone conclusion, it seems that he was just, forcing his way there and that's where he wanted to be. And they gave up basically nothing to get him. Yeah. And it's, if you're going to chase a star rather than, you know, Hey, we'll bring back two, three role players, whatever it is. That scenario requires you to take some kind of risk. Like it is going to be, Hey, we're going to try to put together a package for Zion who for on and off court reasons (laughs) is uh, having quite an interesting off season in new Orleans it might be buying low on Zach Levine, who I don't think they're in on based on what I've heard, but I know the Bulls are actively shopping basically their entire roster. I don't think they're, they're not locked into anything basically. So I think you're going to hear up until, unless Levine gets traded, there's just going to be a lot of scuttlebutt this summer about what Mm -hmm. they might do. And so these are the type of guys you might be able to get. You're not going to get, dame lillard for this type of package like i don't think it doesn't look like portland is trading him in fact it might be the opposite right now that they're going to trade they're in a position to trade for somebody like zion using the number three pick and using whatever contracts you have to do to make that work to try to please dame over the next few days so I, i think the sixers are in this weird middle ground where they don't seem to be super enthused about the players who are theoretically available for a Tobias contract swap. And so I think they probably should make a deal, but I don't know that they are going to make a deal. So with Tobias, and actually what you just said
1: caught my attention real quick, do you think there's a chance they don't trade him? Do you think there's a chance Tobias is on this roster opening night?
2: I think there's a chance, yeah, because I think... You know, as much as it's an opportunity where we can say, well, he's got a big expiring contract, and that's pretty important in the new CBA. Mm -hmm. You could make the, like, that's the pitch you make to other teams, but you also have to think about it yourselves as the Sixers. You say, look, this guy's going to come off the books. We're not locked into long-term money, and we can sort of see how this plays out over the long term with how punishing is that second apron going to be. Like, So, for example, we already know, Phoenix will be a second apron team. So that takes one contending team out of contention for guys on the taxpayer mid-level exception. Mm -hmm. And so let's say, I don't know, three, four, five teams end up at that second apron level. Well, if that's the case, then maybe the Sixers have a better ability to recruit those type of players. You might be able to get... One of the best taxpayer MLE guys on the market, and so that's mm-hmm. an advantage you can create in that sure. way. And so, so maybe Daryl Morey sits back and says, "Well, that's the best path." Rather than I don't know, you're going to break down Tobias Harris's contract into like Tim Hardaway Jr. and another role player, or like right. how, just make up role players that are on maybe like another two to three years worth of contract. So. I'm not sure what they're going to do and I'm not sure that they feel the urgency to get something done because they have to get something done. But it's a fascinating question. It's because it's a completely new... The last CBA, they didn't really change a whole lot in terms of how the league's going to operate. These are pretty dramatic changes that everyone in the league is talking about openly and actively. And so I wonder if they're going to choose caution or Daryl Morey's history suggests he's willing to be a bit aggressive and say, screw it, we'll figure it out later. Well, so what's interesting is oftentimes, you know, you always hear like you can't make
1: decisions based off of fans. And I definitely think that's nine out of 10 times. You're right. You don't let public perception impact the moves you make from a roster perspective. If you look at the Eagles, they would have fired Howie Roseman, right? Like there, there are times where you have to push through, fans being really frustrated about things. But I I do wonder if they bring back Toby in next year, because that's a good point. If they stay under that second apron, and let's say they're one of seven teams that has a legit chance to win a title, but only two of them are able to hand out the mid-level exception and they're one of them, you are going to be able to add better players to fill your roster out than those other teams. But if they bring back Toby, and let's go ahead and assume they re-sign Harding because it still seems to be trending in that way, I don't know, man, like are fans going to accept that I've heard all week or really since the end of the season on WIP, you know, they like, you have to, how would they justify bringing the team back? And to me, I think they can justify it easily. They almost beat the Celtics in the second round They were one of the best teams in the league last year, all those things. I don't know. How do you think running it back with this team would go over with the fans? And do you think that's something this, this team would consider when debating whether or not they can trade Toby or, or bring back
0: Harden? Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: Well, it wouldn't go over well. I think no, we I do both know right. that. Yeah. Like that's pretty obvious that if they just bring back kind of the same team, especially with, I mean, we'll see what happens with the Phillies, but this is an Eagles team that everybody's really excited for. So when yep. they get going and training camp, and the regular season, and the Sixers are just trying to sell. Hey, the gang's still here. You know, <laughs> regular season basketball. Yeah, they're going to be fighting for any kind of attention for a long time. Basically, until the Eagle season ends, they'll be, and they're second fiddle even in a good year. But yeah. it's going to be a more dramatic gap between a normal season and what we're going to see this fall. I think. But here's the thing and i think uh, doc rivers actually suggested this on his podcast with bill sim or his podcast interview with bill yeah. simmons that the sixers and their the sixers brass will say were a little too concerned with oh, the yeah. media and outside perception when he arrived there and what i would say is they can't worry about like you always worry from a pr and all that kind of perspective, what does the fan base think of what we're doing? I think where you really want to pay attention to that is more with like, what kind of jerseys are we putting out this year? It's not how should we build our team? Because the way you need to build a team is you sit in a room and you have meetings and you say, this is what we think is our best path to try to win a championship this year. And they can't worry about anything other than that. I don't know that that means keeping Tobias Harris. Obviously, we've seen him in the second round of the playoffs come up small pretty consistently, and he's on a big-time contract. But all that being said, they need to do what's best for the team, even if that is running it back. It would probably drive me and you and a whole lot of other people crazy to watch the same or a similar yeah. version of the same well, thing next yeah, year, but you know, same. what are their other options?
1: And I do wonder if internally they view Nick Nurse as a major addition, because I think we'll look and, you know, they'll look, we'll look at the roster and fans look at the roster and go, yeah, it's the same exact team. Why would I view it any differently? I do think internally they view Nick Nurse as a major kind of addition, but I also think we're probably underestimating, and you asked Nick Nurse this at his press conference. I think they believe Maxi is going to be way better next year or at least take a step forward. And if that's the case, then that's basically like adding an elite perimeter player. Obviously, you would prefer to add another one on top of Maxi, But I think the Sixers believe with what they've done already and with Maxi, they're going to be better next year. I just don't know if the fans are... Well, I know the fans are not going to buy into it until they get out of the second round. But with Tobias, another important question, I think, with him, outside of just do they need to trade him and should they trade him is what are you trading him for? You mentioned how you could potentially trade Tobias for two players that are on two year deals two two, year deals that are going to just improve the depth of your roster. Maybe are more along the lines of what Nick nurse is looking for, or there's the, the kind of fun, you know, trade him for a big star. If you can, he is an expiring deal. He does have value. Zach Levine, you know, has been rumored just because they're willing to, seems they are willing to trade him. Like, where would you go with Tobias? Are you more in the mode of go flush out the roster, you know, add players to it? Or, yeah, this is a major trade piece. You have to go add a major singular
2: piece to it. If you can get a major piece that has real upside, I always think that that's the route you take because, look, as much as I think depth is important and role players are important, we sit here and say over and over again, star players are what get it done in the playoffs. And star players are who are going to carry you to titles. And look, I don't think they have the type of package to go out and get Zion Williamson. As I said, I think if he gets moved, that's for, for example, the number two pick from Charlotte and salary matching the number three pick from Portland and salary matching. They had the Pelicans have better options than Hey, we'll send you Tobias Harris and Jaden Springer and Hmm. some second round picks and a 2029 first. But let's say you're able to get to the table with that. I would take the risk on Zion. Like, I I know you were on the opposite side of this, but like, and look, there is real downside risk there. I totally understand that. Hasn't been able to stay healthy we'll say his we'll just say decision making has not been a strong suit from an off court perspective it appears yeah. in terms of who he surrounds himself with it's unclear if work ethic is a problem or it, that's well, I think it's clear it is it is a problem yeah that's been very. yeah but i don't like to say that having not been around the guy Fair. and like it, it's easy to take pot shots from far away whatever i could say it's at least a question mark we have yeah. to see if that's a real problem. Maybe you put him in the right situation with the right coach, and that kind of stuff changes. But he is a significant enough talent. Like, I'm not saying that he would be on equal footing with uh Victor Wembenyama in terms of prospect hype or whatever. But there was a point in time where Zion was like, Oh my god, this guy is gonna be like the next whoever, right. and he's the, the best prospect since. Anthony Davis when he was coming out of Kentucky, or you could probably go even a little further back than that. His Duke season was must-watch TV. Mm. They go on a huge run in the tournament despite being built around a bunch of freshmen. Who the other guys on that team, it turns out, have not been very good in the pros. So clearly, he's doing a ton of the heavy lifting on that team. So you put him on the Sixers, and you can do a ton of interesting stuff, like especially in a world where you keep James Harden. Too. Think about a bench lineup where you play small and Zion is essentially a center and you just spread it out and James Harden and Zion run pick and rolls and you have a front court where it's Joel Embiid and Zion and Zion's a weak side rim protector and he's got the help of Joel behind him, but he's also got Joel's ability to space the floor and give him space to drive into to attack the rim and play make and do that kind of stuff maxi and zion on a fast break that's crazy like that'd be must watch television if -hmm. you see those guys there and that would certainly be a big change that's going to get people excited for the the 45 for the 45 games that zion's gonna play right it's like but that's so that's what i'm saying though is like i think it's worth taking that type of risk if you're where they're at at this point because the incremental stuff like if you just keep bleeding away second-round picks and individual first-round picks. You trade one to get rid of Al Horford. You trade a couple for James Harden. At least in Harden's case, that makes a material difference. You take a step forward Mm -hmm. as a team. But if you're trading four second-round picks for you know George Hill like they did a few years ago, I just think if you keep making those moves, you're going to end up in a spot where you have no moves left to make anyway. So you might as well go for the big one and say, well, fuck it. We're going to go for broke and we're going to try to put somebody on this roster that fundamentally changes our long-term ceiling. Like that's where my mind would be at. Yeah. So I think the best point
1: for Zion is this is your last trade piece with Toby. Zion has top 10 player potential. So just go do it and figure it out. I I, I get that argument. I, I definitely agree with it to an extent. My only issue with Zion is Toby is your last big trade piece and living in a world where you can do that. Zion by December could either be the biggest steal an NBA team has made in a long time, or he could be the worst contract in the NBA. You consider the fact of what, of of his five-year deal, what he's being paid. And like, let's be honest. I know that he's had trouble staying healthy and I agree with you, you know, joking aside, we can't sit here and say, if Zion's a hard worker, and if guys get hurt, that's not their fault. But he doesn't strike me even coming into the league. There were concerns about his body type and inability to stay healthy. If you look at Joel, let's take Joel for example. Joel missed the first two years of his career, and since then, obviously, you know we can go through the whole injury concern. But he's mostly stayed healthy. He he, uh, you know, sixty plus, fifty five plus games, nagging injuries for sure, playoff injuries, but he has been on the court. If you look at from when Joel stepped on the court for the first time, so year three. He's played in something like, I don't know, 67% of his games. So he's he's mostly been there. Since Zion started playing his rookie year, he's been in 30. Not something. good. Not, not <laughs> it's good. He's not been good. In, he did like 30 something games, right? He's missed a full year. He played Do 20 you want years me to the
2: I'll go through the, yeah, go ahead, the yeah. years. 2019 20 plays 24 games. Yeah. 2020 21 where we made an all star team played 61. So that was an improvement. But then he missed the entire 21-22 season and he played 29 games last year. So the last two years, he's played 29 total games. Yeah. It's not good.
1: No, it's not good. And also, you know, we joked uh, about the Bradley Beal thing, which is, and uh, and a lot of people did, Bradley Beal's been a career loser in a lot of ways. Can you add another loser to Joel and Harden? Like, do you need to add somebody else? Is Zion maybe like the worst possible person to add to Joel (laughs) and James in terms of? A injury concern, but also let's be real, like fitness, right? Like it looks like one of his concerns is like, aren't there all types of weight clauses in his contract and stuff? And James, the joke is always, you know, he looks fat, whatever. And Joel, we know because of his body type, has trouble keeping weight off if he misses time. I just, I get the, I get the, the reasoning for for considering it but it just feels like it could be a con- it could be a deal that come December where, like, well, that's it. Like, he's hurt again. They have this massive contract. Joel's really, you know, Joel's upset because now their second big piece is turned into Zion. Zion doesn't seem to have a great relationship with his teammates in New Orleans. So I think the name itself is exciting, not to mention Zion does not shoot from deep. Like, he doesn't. Maybe he'll add it to his repertoire. Maybe Nick Nurse gets him to do it. But he averages less than one three-pointer a game and I can get over that if he's doing different things. I mean, the dude averaged 27, like six and five, he clearly can score, but I don't know, is the best thing to add to your team, somebody that doesn't shoot the most important shot in basketball, at least currently. So I would roll the dice if it's like, there's no other options, like whatever, but I'd rather have Zach Levine. I maybe would rather even have, or I would definitely rather have DeMar DeRozan. Like, I think there are Better options than potentially like crippling your franchise for a really long time with this Zion thing. I
2: I understand the position. All I'm saying is that if we agree, so let's be clear. Tyrese Maxey is in theory their biggest trade chip, but nobody yeah. wants to trade him. So when right. we say Tobias Harris is their their biggest trade chip left, you you might as well shoot for upside because once that leaves. You have to then trade like real foundational core. Yeah, like Embiid and, and Maxi. Like, that's what I mean. Yeah. So if, if trading Tobias and saying, all right, we'll take two role players back, that's essentially just betting that Joel Embiid and James Harden are good enough, or that Tyrese Maxi's internal development is good enough. Mm-hmm. And where we're at right now, like Joel's in his prime in his late 20s. I don't know how much better he's getting or how much more refinement he's going to have in big moments. James Harden, I think the ship has certainly sailed on him. You know, he's not going to get better at this age. Right. If anything, he's going to get worse because, and that's not an insult to him. That's just the reality of being in your mid 30s as a professional athlete. Maxi would then be your only real case to, okay, that guy's going to become a 25 point a game guy or he's going to average five six assists a game instead of you know two or three right and maybe that's enough to make a difference but if you don't think that adding a couple role players is enough to push them over the top then i can 100 percent see the argument to say let's take a big swing this might get broken up in a year or two anyway because i don't know joel's unhappy harden decides he doesn't want to be here anymore because that's the thing it's like all this buzz about Harden in recent days. It's not, it, it seems to me that everyone's realizing, yeah, he's not getting the max contract elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So James has to look at himself and say, Am I really going to take less than max money to go play in Houston? And it might be like a semi rebuild. I, I don't know what that roster is going to look like if he decides to go there. Or am I going to play for a contender? And then maybe he comes back here and he feels resentment, and he's like, well, I didn't actually want to be here, yeah, but this is like comparable money, and I can win a little more. He could wake up in six months to a year and say, well, get me the fuck out of here. And if that's the case, malcontent James Harden in his mid-30s is not getting a big trade return, so you already need to have some sort of big piece and big chip on the roster that could theoretically be a co-star to Joel Embiid. I don't think that Maxi. Is at that level. And so I think you might have to say, we're going to take a high risk, high reward bet on. I again, I don't think they can get Zion, but it might be in that mold. I would say, well, and
1: again, I'm always down for high risk in a lot of ways. One thing, if we agree, Howie Roseman is the best general manager in the city, and Daryl has an argument over his career, but Howie's whole thing is take big swings. And so I could picture a world where now the contract complicates it. Like Zion is somebody Howie would take a swing on, right? Former number one pick, you mentioned all those things. The issue is you take that swing, man, and all of a sudden of all the good teams, like the top eight teams or whatever, you could argue Embiid, Harden, and Zion might be end up being three of the least attractive p- trade pieces. Like Bill Simmons did his trade uh, value thing. He had Embiid 13th, Like he had Jaron Jackson right, be- uh, right behind him. And I know it's just one person's opinion, blah, blah, blah. But it is interesting to think that for as much as Embiid is, can make the argument for best player in the league or top three or whatever, just one MVP, his trade value a year and a half from now might not be that good. He could be broken down on a massive contract. So that's the concern with Zion. Quick side note. I was thinking about this this morning. Who do you think's like more likely to be on the team longer from here on
2: out, Joel Embiid or Tyrese Maxey? I would say Joel Because I think if they were to strip it down and rebuild, like Joel gets traded, I think Tyrese gets moved too. Like I think it might just be everything happens at once. Well, because like think about this. You're probably okay with paying Tyrese Maxey whatever he's going to get on this next contract if you have Joel Embiid and if you have a co-star for him. Like Maxey as a well-paid third guy, that's okay if you strip it down and Tyrese Maxey's making like $30 million as the guy, I just, I think that is not where an NBA team wants to be generally. That's like, I like Tyrese as a decision maker more than Jordan Poole, but it'd be like if the Warriors moved into their next phase and we're like, yeah, Jordan Poole, you're just running the show. Like, I Mm -hmm. I just don't think that's a team a thing that you want to happen as a team. So I kind of think you just move everybody if you reach that point. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Joel asks out in two years and Tyrese has ascended and you say, well, we'll turn Joel into multiple guys to help Maxi be the man. But I just, I don't personally view him as that type of player. I think he's a, a very good complimentary piece, but I kind of think that he would get moved before or with Joel if, if that kind of thing happened. I could be dead wrong about this, but I really get a sense that they
1: are like extremely high on Maxi, and so I could. They picture definitely a, are for yeah, sure. Where, where I could picture a world where it gets frustrating, and Embiid, you just like cash out early on him in terms of getting a big return, and you envision your team more built around guards, and you think Maxi can be one of them. So I think it's it's close on to who now. The difference is Maxi could potentially be traded against his will, whereas I don't think there's a world where they move Embiid. And he does not want to be moved, so that would that would probably be the main difference. But so, last Tobias Harris question before we kind of move on here. Um, I do think in a way Tobias is now somewhat underrated by the fans because he does like f- not fit, but he's he's a good locker room guy. He's been here; they've won with him. You know, it works with him to a certain extent. He is an expiring contract, so I'm not just giving Tobias away for for anything. But final kind of like you know one through ten, if you want to do it that way. Friday morning, we wake up, the draft is over. What do you think the chances are that Tobias has been traded?
2: I give it at least a one in three shot. I don't want to go higher than that because there's no, there's not like an active team or a set of players that he's attached to in terms of rumors. There's just a broad feeling around the NBA. He's going to get moved. Like that's one of their big cards that they can play. And so that's, everyone is just kind of speculating that he's going to get moved, but you very well couldn't like we could wake up in late September for training camp and Tobias walks in and does the the same media availability that he does every year. So who the heck knows? Are there any, um, I know
1: this is kind of like finding a needle in the haystack, but are there any players that you think Sixers fans should keep an eye on in terms of a a trade for Tobias? Like not the Zion, Dame Lillard, those type of guys, but.
2: No, honestly. If I had that, I would have already reported it, I would say. And (laughs) I'm going to be on some more phone calls uh, today, tomorrow, Thursday, of course. Um, And so we'll see what shakes out after all of that. But Nothing to report as of right now. I wish I had more information to, to provide, but. Well, if you're listening to this pod, I'm
1: sure you already do, but that sounds like major, make sure you're following Kyle on Twitter. Make sure you're reading his work on, uh, on Philly voice. Of course. Career. Always. Always. Exactly. Uh, I tweet about jerseys. You tweet about Sixers new, so it, it, it evens out in the, uh, <laughs> in the long run. But, um, now I think it's probably the chance to get into our obligatory James Harden part of the pod, uh, lot more I mean you've you've been saying this but a lot more kind of you know he's not going to get that money the Sixers have interest at a certain price more and more reporters are starting to kind of do the whole Bill Simmons with the ultimate kind of 180 from going you know basically Harden's not going to be back to yeah I'm hearing more and more he's going Keith to
2: Pompey Pompe- too man was at I the combine he saying he's definitely yeah. leaving and then yesterday it's like Get your story straight, everybody. You know, nobody can stick to one position. It's either report something and stand behind it, or you could just wait and see what happens. Which I feel like is a better.
1: I do wonder like how the Harden thing has kind of changed, but I think overall you're right. Like it looks like he's going to be back. So I guess the question that I've asked you for the last few pods is, you know, do you think this is something that happens soon? Do you think it goes into free agency where he, he waits a week and maybe hopes something else comes along? Do you think there's any chance he opts in? I mean, where, where is your latest with, with us? I'm sure it's where it's always been, but.
2: I think an opt in would be shocking, honestly, mm-hmm. because I, I think if you're looking at it from James Harden's perspective and the max isn't there, it, it seems very clear that that's the case right now. You're certainly not going to, that's not going to change between now and next season. You're not going to have a, realistically anyway, and we'll see if he views it this way. You're not going to have a year next year that makes teams line up and say, Yeah, we're definitely going to give you a long-term max when you're another year older and have another year of wear and tear on you and potentially another year of playoff failures under your belt for people to make fun of you for. So I think he wants as long-term money as he can get this offseason, if I had to guess. Now, you could shift that into, and I brought this up on here, Maybe he says instead of four years at a huge salary number or I have to take the compromise at two plus one with an option, he just says two years and pay me a ton of money. And that, I think, is probably a good compromise option for him in the Sixers because he gets a ton of money in the short term. Let's just say he gets $100 million over two years or something crazy. $50 million a year would be... But look, at, at a, it basically doesn't matter at a certain point. It's just you're only keeping them for two years. You have two years to win, and then you're saying, Arrivederci, we'll see you later, mm-hmm. and he walks out the door. I don't think that's a bad option for either side. Now, obviously, if, if you're the Sixers, you would want to have James on a two-plus-one, and he's making 30-something million, and you have team control – And you can trade him if you need to, and you have the best of both worlds. But I I do think they're going to have to concede something here. Like you're not just going to look at James Harden and be like, yeah, we're going to do whatever we want. We'll give you whatever contract we want. And he'll just be happy with it. I think the Houston threat is real enough that they have to make a concession or two to him, whether that's an extra year on a player option or just a bit of short-term money to give him on two years.
1: So, but I wonder though do they have to make some type of compromise? Like where is the competing team here? And there's probably not a team we don't know about or something like that, but it seems like Houston doesn't have the interest we thought. Is he really going to go back to Houston on like not a ton of money? Cause that's super hard to spin. So I, I agree that there'll have to be something maybe, but it really feels like the Sixers are negotiating from the position of power here.
2: There's also the relationship side of it where if you're trying to just hammer him on every detail true,
1: true.
2: and you're dealing with a mercurial star as it is, yeah. he might just wake up one day and be like, screw you guys. Like You're not helping me out at all. Or you didn't, you didn't scratch my back and I sacrificed for the team a year prior and blah, 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 blah. He could very well look at it that way. And so you do have to keep that in mind to some extent I'm not saying that that should be oh hey we're just going to give you another 10 million dollars to hopefully stop <laughs> you from being a jackass during training right. camp or during uh, around the trade deadline or whatever it is and you don't re-sign him period if you don't think he's going to be fully bought in but I I don't think you can go into a negotiation with a legit star player and think to yourself yeah I'm just going to hammer this guy I'm going to get him from every angle you're you have to be willing to be a human and and try to see it from their perspective. I also wonder if maybe one of the concessions they can give and not
1: give because you want them to run and coach the team the way they feel is best. But with Nick Nurse here now, I wonder if maybe the real selling point they can give to James is Nurse is going to allow you to do a little bit more of what you want to do or what you feel fits your game best. So that that could be one thing where in these negotiations – Yes, the money is certainly part of it. The years are part of it. But maybe one thing the Sixers can offer James that they didn't before that he was not expecting to get is a little more freedom uh in terms of on-the-court stuff.
2: I don't think Nick Nurse is that guy, frankly. I think he's very much a, a structure guy. Mm-hmm. And he's somebody who wants plays within plays or reads within a play and, and multiple actions within a play. And it's a lot of Now, some of that slash a lot of that is going to be on the other guys with off-ball movement and screening, and he's going to run the offense. But this is not Mike D'Antoni, right, where he's going to give James the ball and say, your show, buddy. That is not what's happening here. And so I, I, I don't think that's a giant carrot. Now, it could just be that he thinks Nick Nurse is a smart guy and believes in his ideas, and that's just a good enough motivator to come back and be on friendly terms with the team. But I, I just I don't think that Nick Nurse giving him freedom is a, a big sales pitch of the offseason. So the final question I have for you um, in regards to
1: the draft is, and I know James isn't really draft-related, but the Sixers go into this draft without a draft pick. As you mentioned, it's, I believe, the first time in franchise history, or at least the first time in, in a really long time, since that has happened, you look at future years, uh, you know, they have the 20 and 29 first round pick. If You look at it, you know, in theory, they should have 12 picks until then one in the first one in the second, they only have eight of those eight picks. Six of them come in, come from the second round of 2027. And later they don't have a first round pick this year. They don't have a first round pick in 2025. They don't have one in 2027. They can't really trade the ones in 2024 and 2026 like they are pretty tapped out when it comes to draft capital. They lost picks because of the tampering charges with Daniel House and P.J. Tucker. They traded that pick away in the Matisse-Thibault deal that they would have had this year that would have been relatively high. My question for you is, do you think Daryl has been too reckless with these draft picks? We've gone from two kind of extremes, Sam Hinkie hoarding all the draft picks, to now the Sixers basically just give them away. Like it's underrated. They gave away two first-round picks in that James Harden deal. And I know the six have been competitive, and maybe if they win a title last year, which they were, in my opinion, relatively close to doing, everything is different, right? But what do you think about how Daryl has handled the use of the draft picks?
2: I don't really take issue with the Harden one because I do think that that made an actual difference in their on-court fortunes. Now. Hard to say that when they didn't go literally any further than they did right. with
0: but they were Ben better. Simmons they during were senior.
2: But yes, they were better and had a better chance to beat a, a, a very good team in the playoffs. I would say where you start to quibble are the smaller moves. Or maybe not – yeah, I guess it is a smaller move. But the Al Hortford trade, for example, tying up a first-round pick, trading him away for Danny Green that looks a little worse in hindsight. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at a move like trading four second-round picks for George Hill, I know people don't really care about second-round picks, but frankly, they've done a good job of drafting guys under Maury in the second round. Guys like Isaiah Joe, guys like Paul Reed. Well, Isaiah Joe's a sore well, subject because they did cut <laughs> him, obviously.
1: and yeah. no, He didn't but, make that trade, right? That Was that Brett or was that uh
2: Calangelo? What do you the mean? George, the George Hill trade. No, George Hill was during Daryl's first season here. Oh wow, God, that feels like forever. Because that was Doc's first season here. That was the deadline during that season. So when you trade, when you make those type of trades, so here we go. We have a Louie appearance. I was going to say, I just thought our way, leaders, off. Yeah, He decided to jump up. Um, <laughs> so those I think are more hurtful than people realize. Number one, because they just have less stuff to move around. And they have less stuff, for example, we're, I've mentioned on the pod and in articles, they're trying to buy a second round pick. Like that's a, a very real priority mm-hmm. for them. They've had a lot of second round picks that they just gave away for various yeah. players who didn't pan out. Or they used second round picks, identified some pretty good talent, and then didn't keep that talent around. So that's the stuff where i say, look, especially now, second round picks are even more valuable and teams are using those as they traded for real players at the deadline last year with, you know, four or five second round picks. That was a uh, Sadiq Bay got traded for a bunch Mm -hmm. of second round picks last season. So that's an example of where I think they've been a little too loose with it. I'm never going to get that angry about, I mean, if you look at the other type of star trades that are out there, and especially if you consider just how bad Ben Simmons looked last year, Trading two first round picks for James Harden looks like an absolute steal when you yeah, consider that otherwise they would have been locked into one of the worst contracts in the league with Ben Simmons. Until they get Zion, then they'll have the other worst contract in the
1: all league. Right, but all right. no, no, I think I think with Daryl, like it's it's you know in all sports it's kind of like this. I'll never blame a GM for trying to go all in and trying to win when you think you have a chance. Which I think the spirit of these trades have been a lot of. He had to get out of the Horford deal that's a different one. And you're right. In retrospect doesn't look as good, but to get out of Ben, to get James, to give up those first round picks, I understand it. It's like when the Phillies handed out all that money to guys in 08 and traded away all those prospects to try to win. And they ended up not winning again after 08, but I don't blame them for trying. So I don't think Daryl can be blamed for it, but the issue is when you don't win and you've completely kind of been a little, you know, carefree with these picks, that's why on Thursday night you don't have any, and that's why it's going to be tough for them to make trades. And that's how Tobias turns into your most valuable asset that you have really outside of Maxine and B until 2029. So I don't, you know, I don't blame him for the strategy, but he is definitely now that all the moves are done. Like, yeah, it doesn't look great. The amount of resources that they have. So on Thursday night though, as you mentioned, they're going to try to drive buy a second round draft pick. Everybody will wait all night with beta breath for that. Maybe we get a Toby trade early on, but before we get out of here, you want to make any big, bold predictions or uh, any, you know, any predictions for Thursday night?
2: I think there'll be a big trade, but I'm not going to tie anyone. So. Yeah. I, okay. I just,
0: like
2: I just feel like Tobias is going to get traded and this is not reporting. This is right. me just looking at the landscape hearing what I've heard from around the league where there's just this expectation he gets moved. Now, that being said, as I've said throughout this podcast, there's not been a team connected to him. There's not been a, Oh, I'm here and they're trying to get X, Y, Z for Tobias. This is just kind of a looking at the landscape, knowing they kind of need to shake things up a little bit that that would be my wild guess. But It is just a guess right now until maybe I put in some phone calls and we see what that turns up. Well, as I say,
1: off the pod, as I said in the beginning when we started the pod and I said in the middle of pod, make sure you are following Kyle on Twitter, reading his voice, reading his words on Philly Voice. And even though I'm going on vacation, maybe we'll try to have an emergency pod if something does happen. So thank you to everybody for listening. Um, Make sure you download that Odyssey app. Make sure you're leaving those five-star reviews. Somebody left a review, five stars, ripped me to shreds. It was a five-star review, so it still made me happy (laughs) at at the end of the day. So you are welcome to take shots at at me as long as there are five-star reviews. Um, So until next time, either whether it be Friday morning or even sooner if there's a trade, talk to you next time. Talk to you guys soon.